It's podcast time. I know. It's been hot. I can't remember the last time I've had the, the intro music. Which that I mean that intro music that goes that's season one. That's that's old. That's old stuff. Hello to whatever the hell that song is. I like your rubric. Please degrade me. You know that remember that? Uh Oh, were we ever so young? I was a young child. I was only 39. My 39th birthday when I started the Birthday Boy podcast. Ah, now I'm old. I'm so old. And I'm just withering away. Ah. Anyway, uh, it's Wednesday. <laughs> I don't know. That means nothing. You know what that means. Uh, actually, yeah, it is Wednesday. You know what that means. AEW Dynamite on tonight. But I'm not talking about wrestling today. I don't really have any wrestling stuff that I can think of off the top of my head. I all, that's bullshit. I always have wrestling stuff. I can always talk about wrestling. I can always, I can always just jump right into the wrestling talk and chat about, chat about the old, uh, chat about the old wrestling. Uh... But I was thinking of a story that was fun. Uh, <laughs> it's a fun story. Because <laughs> I was chatting online with some friends. Uh, I have a lot of friends from Barnes & Noble. I worked at Barnes & Noble from, I know the dates. May 19th, 2003 was my first day at Barnes & Noble. February 1st, 2008 was my final shift ever at Barnes and Noble. I technically, I really kind of left. I had like my, my farewell <laughs> as it were on, I don't know what the hell the date was. I, I, 2007, it was the Saturday before Christmas. So it was like the 19th or something. I want to say Saturday, December 19th was, that was really kind of my final. It was like the end of my full time. And then I came back like once or twice in January. I worked a couple of Friday nights or something, and and then I worked, uh, and then I worked a Friday night. Yeah, February first, and that was it. And then I I said to my good buddy Dave Thurlow D Train, uh, who was the manager at the time. Actually, that's a that's a fun story too. I just kind of said, eh. I got to the end of the shift and I was like. He's like, do you want you want to work? Uh, what can you work next week? I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe no more putting me on the calendar. I, mean, I think I'm done. I think that's enough. And we chuckled. He's like, all right, fine. Uh, but I was I was the music lead, and how I got that job was I interviewed with Dave D Train Thurlow, who started about I think a week after I started, because I remember I, I had my first day and I was training. And uh, with with legendary uh, Capital Region Albany jazz legend Brian Patnode, uh, you know you know his albums: Sexual Intercourse, Sax Crimes, Underage Sax. There's just too many to even too many to even li- premarital sax, sexually transmitted disease. Or, yeah, there's, there's some of the great some of the great albums. You can look them up, Brian Patnode. And the uh, and the quartet, I think it's the the Patno, the Brian Patnode Quartet. Anyway, he's a jazz musician in the Albany area, saxophone, legendary saxophone uh, guru, and 
he was he worked like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday shifts at uh, at the bookstore, and he worked enough so that he could get the health benefits. It was a good gig. Like he's you know he's doing the jazz guy thing. I, I'm jealous of I'm eternally jealous of these guys, of these you know the, the people who like uh, they you know they have the job but they really the the real thing is like the music and the art and the stuff. It's like oh that's nice. What a fun thing that's to be like making some bucks playing the playing your playing your instrument yeah um oh there was also yeah there was a, there was the sax there was the the cover album uh it was blowing blowing legends yeah blowing the greats or something like that and it was, it was Pat Node playing some of the great uh, deceased jazz musicians of all time it's just yeah uh sax with a minor had a picture of a saxophone in the car in the in the passenger seat of a car with like a varsity sweater around it and then the police lights in the, in the background and then Brian Patnode looking worried uh-oh just having just shrugging his shoulders at it. that's what it was he was shrugging his shoulders like uh-oh i did it again there's too many albums to name. I have to write down. I have to go back to old Facebook posts because I know uh, that my buddy T-Bone, who I worked with at Barnes & Noble, we used to just come up with those those album titles nonstop, nonstop. Yeah, Sax Crime. There's just too many. Um, <laughs> anyways, Jesus Christ. Uh, he was a great dude. He's a great dude. Is a great dude. He's not dead. He's very much alive. And he just he just said something. He's opening for uh, it's a it's a name. It's actually a name that I know, and I can't think of it off the top. But he's he's like, oh, is the the Pat Node Quartet is opening for somebody? Uh, shit, some jazz, uh, duh, jazz man, duh, jazzums. I don't know what his name. It's it's a known. It's a name that I know. I, I think from working at Barnes and Noble, but it's a name that I know anyway. Good dude. I was working my first shift, May of 2000, May 19th, 2003. I'm back in the music department, DVDs. And uh, and there's this crowd of people. There's these three people coming back because they're on their little like training tour of the store thing. And one of them was my good friend, Michelle. And the other was my good buddy, D-Train, Dave. And, uh, and then a week later, there he was, and we were working together. And it was great because we're... Like we're both short guys with like curlyish hair and glasses, and at the time had like goatees. I have just a beard now, but I had the I had the goatee at the time, and so did he. And nobody could tell us apart. Not a single customer, not anybody. And then you add you add Patnode to the mix, Brian Patnode, who was he didn't have as much hair as we did on top of the head, but he had the goatee. He was considerably taller. He's probably I feel like he was around six foot. Solid five ten, six foot tall, maybe even I don't know, I don't remember. Uh, anybody more than like five seven is very tall to me, so I can't tell. He he could have been five nine, he could have been seven foot three. For all once it's once I have to tilt my head even just a little bit, it's like okay, forget it. I can. Uh, anyway, so there were just the whole music department was just filled with white guys, <laughs> just. Just white guys with goatees and nobody and glasses. All three of us had glasses and nobody could tell one from the other. We were just completely interchangeable. Totally fungible. Those fungible music department dudes back there. Anyway, uh, 
Oh, it's it's lunchtime. Good. Yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what does this have to do with anything? Yeah, so we're working. You've got you've got legendary sax musician Brian Patnode. You got you got D Train. You got me, and uh, and then eventually, fast forward a few years later, and all of a sudden, we're just climbing that ladder. We're climbing the ladder of success. Uh, both D Train and myself, and we found ourselves. Uh, in an interview situation where he's interviewing me on my qualifications. The guy who stood next to me at the register and in the music department for the last like four years is now interviewing me to determine <laughs> if I'm qualified to have a more full-time role as the, as the music department lead. Uh, and the previous music manager <laughs> to turn me down when I wanted to be them, even though they didn't, they chose yeah, I want to say around 2004-ish. Uh, they And I said, you know, I need to work like regular hours. So the manager at the time, in 2003, 2004, we had this manager who would, she would put people on call, which I thought was like, I've never had this before. This isn't a, I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a, like, I don't, what, I'm on call to sell books? Is it, are there that many book selling emergencies that I need to, what do I need to have a pager? And be near a phone just in case. We have emergency. We need <laughs> we need a heart transplant in the in the music department. We need to re we need to rebind these books. I hope John's on call tonight because he needs to get here pronto. I hope he's by his pager. So it was like okay. So sometimes you you call in like hey do you need me? No great I'm going back to bed. Hey do you need me? Yeah okay. I'll come in and make some money. I, I didn't care, but it was like annoying because you, it was a day off, but also you're on call. And a lot of people who are smarter than me, and I would do this now because that was totally illegal, totally could not do something like that. Uh, but the manager did. And so people would call in and if they needed them, they'd come to work, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and then there were a lot of people who were like, no, no, either you schedule, either I'm scheduled to work or I'm not, which is the correct, that's correct. You're either scheduled to work a shift or you're not on the schedule. That's it. You're scheduled, you come into work. You're not scheduled, you stay home, it's a day off. Not, hey, you're kind of scheduled, but you need to call to see if we're going to have you come in and pay you. Clear your clear your calendar for the day, but we might not need you at all. And I'm just a young, stupid, you know, 23-year-old, fresh out of college, all that stuff. I'm like, I better, I better make sure I'm by the phone and I don't have any social life and I may or may not get paid and have to work, but I better not plan anything on my day off. And then after a while I did, I was like, I'm not fucking, and then everybody's, and then they got rid of it. And then, you know, and then they, that manager was not around too much longer. Uh, but nevertheless, um, and she's a nice person. She's fine. We're friends. Uh, but it was a little questionable. <laughs> Didn't last for too long. Uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, we, we worked side by side. I remember, yeah, 2003, 2004, I said, well, I can't do this on call bullshit. Either schedule me or don't. And Hey, uh, let me be the, there's a music department manager and there was a music department lead and nobody was the music department lead. I said, Hey, why don't you let me be this, uh, music lead? I mean, how fucking hard can it be? The answer is not at all. It's, it's, it's brainless stuff. Uh, but I remember the, the manager at the time, the music manager telling me, uh, I don't think you're ready for it. I just don't think you're ready. I'm like, well, I've been a, 
I've managed a toy store before. I mean, like I have management experience and like it's not, you know, that's like lots of different stuff and it's kids and it's crazy holiday stuff. That's like, that actually requires like a certain level of effort. Working back here in the old music department is like, there's some CDs and there's some DVDs. That's about it. CDs are over there. DVDs are over there. Done. Can you read? Great. Eh, there's not too much. There's not much to it. The the book selling part always intimidated. I hated any time I had to be out on the book floor, which was rare. But if I did, I would just I would just fucking lie. To, I didn't know it. I'm like I don't know where shit is. Do you have this book? No, no, we don't carry those kinds of books. We don't carry nonfiction, sir. I'm sorry. It's just doesn't. What do you think this is? Borders. Uh, so you know, I would just I, I would just oh. and what I would do. The music department was in the back of Barnes & Noble. The cash wrap and the cash office or cash box was in the front of the store. So to take my till, I would have had to take my, my shift was over and I need to go bring my till up to the head cashier who is then I'm going to, we're going to stand next to each other and count my till and make sure that there's no uh, chicanery, hijinks, you know, if it's uh, over or under by a few pennies, no big deal. Uh, if it's like hundreds of dollars, okay, there's a, you know, the usual shit. So, so we would do that and I would take my till and I would grip it and I would do the George Costanza where I would just look mad. So nobody, customers would never, cause I looked happy. Customers would ask me, sir, excuse me, sir. I see you carrying all that cash. Where can I find books? And, uh, but if I just, if I walked fast and looked really angry, like I was going to go murder somebody, nobody ever talked to me and it was great. Oh, I have to answer this call. God damn it. All right. What's happening here, Sherry? Sherry? We might tie the record high for today. For today? Uh, it's a day later. I, I, apologies. I had important business. I was on, I was in the midst of lunch. Let me pause Sherry Spear here telling us that today. I started recording the, the first half of this conversation, conversation, this first half of this insane person just talking into his phone uh, was recorded yesterday on Wednesday, which I believe was the 15th of December. And now here it is Thursday already, the 16th, the 16th. And uh, it's a day later. I just did that. This is the, I was on lunch yesterday, or I thought I was on lunch. And then I got pulled out of lunch I was going to take 20 minutes to talk about a little Barnes & Noble bullshit. I don't even remember exactly what I was going to talk about. I start going off about Patnode and the sex and the sex and the sex and the whatever. And now it's Thursday. And it's Thursday, December 16th. And it's usually supposed to be like 10 degrees outside. And there's supposed to be three feet of snow on the ground. But it's uh, quite warm. I'm, I'm a little I've got layers on. I've got a button. To, I dress up. I it used to be if I took the kids to school, I just like, whatever. I throw on a pair of, I mean, disgusting, like gym shorts, you know, not even like pockets and, uh, you know, flip flops or something and just, okay, quick, get out of the car. I'm going to go home and, a, you know, a t shirt and a hoodie or something like that and just look like a bum. I, I mean, I look like I, I fit in. I look like, <laughs> I look like everybody else in those drop off and pick up lines. It's just, you know, these ratty fuckers with their fucking, baggy ass jammies and stuff and i mean that's that's fine whatever i don't care whatever whatever makes you comfortable but i'm i'm kind of like you know i'm trying to 
Uh, yeah, I've been, been wearing like clothes that humans wear instead when I go to the to drop off the kids. Even though nobody's, I'm not going to get out of the car or anything. Nobody's going to see me. But in the event that they do, good example. Last week when I had to take the car to the dealership to see what the hell was going on with the tires, I was well dressed. I had a nice pair of shoes. I had a nice pair of pants. Nice button down. I had a nice quarter zip. I love the quarter quarter zips for me are what uh, the Argyle used to be. Anyone who's known me back in, oh, I want to say 2008, 2008, 9, 10, 11, many years, I was just, I couldn't get enough Argyle sweaters. We'd go to the, we'd go to the Gap outlet and I would go Argyle crazy. Uh, but now that's, uh, that's out again. Nobody's, nobody's wearing Argyle. You can't go to a store and find Argyle. Not that I, maybe you can go on Amazon because you can find everything on Amazon. But I haven't seen, I haven't gone into a store and found Argyle in a very, very long time. Uh, it's, it's the Argyle thing. But I love quarter zips. I love quarter zip sweaters, quarter zip fleece, quarter zip, uh, you know, hoodie type things, you know, whatever. I love it. And a nice, a nice button down shirt underneath really just sets the tone for a really classy day. <laughs> uh, so anyway. What, what, what am I talking So, yeah, I had lunch. It was, it was lunch, and I said, oh, I've got 30 minutes. It's noon. It was exactly noon. I got 30 minutes. I can tell this story. I can talk a little bit, and I can get, grab a quick bite to eat, and then I get to the next uh, meeting and all the bullshit that I did. And that just didn't happen. And here we are a day late, almost 24 hours later. Finally, back to telling you the rest of the story. And I think I, I'm even just trying to remember, like, what was the story again? Oh, I remember, gosh, it was going to be about going to, okay, okay, now I got it, now I got it, Jesus. Gosh, I went off on a tangent, I haven't even gotten to a close, okay. So yeah, so I worked at Barnes & Noble for five years, off and on. And uh, yeah, I was the, yeah, I think the last thing I left off telling you that I would, I would take my till, you know, which is the thing that's filled with the cash and the coins and all the bullshit, checks even people would even in 2003 2004 i remember people paying with check and i would say what the fuck are you doing who the fuck is paying this is almost 20 years ago that we were looking at people and shamefully thinking judging them and saying why are you paying why do you have a checkbook why are you using that what what is wrong with you that doesn't mean you have to use a credit card you don't have to use cash, but like they made they made debit card, Visa check card. They made a piece of plastic so that you don't have to sit there and bring the entire operation to a screeching halt while you fill out your check. And every single person looks around. They all do the same thing since the beginning of time, since the beginning of retail and checkbooks. Every single human who has ever written a check looks looks around, looks up into the air as though somehow that's going to provide the answer to the question, what's today's, what's the day today? They all do the same thing. They all do the same thing and they think they're the only person. They just, they just look up from their checkbook. It's just complete bewilderment. Deer in the headlights. They look around like, what is the date today? Oh, like it's the fucking 16th. Like what? You wouldn't have to ask that if you didn't use a check. Like it's the nineteen fucking fifties. Oh, where am I? What is this? That's the other one too. Where am I again? 
I'm not going to, you know what? I'm not going to tell you. That's not my job. If you can't, now that's something you could actually look around and maybe get the answer to. If you're standing in a store, there's no guarantee that you could just pick your stupid head up and look around and find the date. Maybe the time, probably not the date, but you could probably look around and then say, ah, yes, now I know where I am. People would come into KB Toys and do that. Where, where am I again? Pay less shoes. Uh, like, what do you, where do you think you are? Where do you actually, th- what, what store do you think this is? Your first guess is probably the correct guess. It's not Toys R Us because that's the big one. So what is it? Anyway. <sighs> Fucking checks. Oh, screeching halt. And I had this one, co- this one coworker who was great. He would just, he would come back from his break and somebody was, st- I mean, it would just bring the line to a standstill because you had to get out their purse and fish through all the tissues and hard candies and everything else and pens and trash to get, ah, here it is. And they, and they start, someone would start putting, emptying the contents of their purse onto the table, onto the counter. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Nobody's trying to run a business here. Commerce can wait for you to find your checkbook in 2003. I hoped, I'm sure that this happens in 2021, probably not as much. It was very rare in 2003, so I'm hoping that it's similarly rare here in in 2021, uh, even more rare in 2021, but in 2003, it was like, oh my God, 19, I, I started, my first retail thing was 1998, and, and my last, so I had 10 years in retail, 1998 to 2008 was my was my retail experience. And certainly late 90s, there were much, much more likely to have checks, traveler's checks. Oh, my God. Just all these silly, stupid stuff that's just, you know, it's it's completely, it's extinct, essentially. I, I can't, you know, I'm sure there's some people over the age of 80 who are still walking around with their checkbook and they just decide, I'll write a check, I, you know. But it was always, it was the same kind of person. I don't want to say Karen, because that's, you know, because calling somebody a Karen is, is of course, racist, <laughs> according to Karens. <laughs> according to Karens everywhere as they're yelling at their uh, dark-skinned neighbors for getting into their own car and calling the police on them. But nothing that they're doing is wrong, but calling them Karen is racist. Anyway, uh, so the Karens would pull up and they'd, Oh, you and you just—it's—it it was like somebody—it's like somebody ho- like an old like an old sailor hoisting an anchor. Arr, tis where I'll drop me anchor this day. Arr, you see, we be setting sail in a fortnight, but we be camping out here at, in the middle of the Atlantic for the next two weeks. Yeah, this was a, they, they hoist their purse up onto the table, up onto the countertop. And they're like, oh, and there's six people behind them. And you're just like, all right, uh, attention, everyone. Come back in an hour if you want to if you want to ring out your purchases at my register because somebody's writing a check. So if you want to come back in the morning, that's understandable because we're not we're not going anywhere anytime soon. We're we're locked into this for a good while now. 
Oh, hoist a purse up onto the thing. And then fish through the purse. Oh, let's lose tissue. And let's empty. And they would. They Some would empty it out onto the countertop. The big thing of tissues. And sometimes it was like, you know, those little packs that you can put in your pocket. The little mini portable tissue thing. You know, that you send your kids to school with. It's a little package of tissues. Or sometimes it was like, how did you... F- how is a whole box of Kleenex in that goddamn purse of yours? Let me empty out all the butterscotch discs. And here's my keys. Here's here's the last 60 years worth of keys that are all still on this same key ring. Let me just put those on the tabletop. Here's a... Here's an entire Staples warehouse full of pens. Let me dump this out here. Let's see. Where is is this it? Nope, that's that's the old checkbook. There's no new checks in this one. What? Why do you have even one, let alone multiple checkbooks? What's wrong with you? Oh, let's see. Here's a pair of slacks. Here's my Oh, here's my doggy bag from last night from the Olive Garden. <laughs> here's my Here's my doggy bag. What's the other place? Here's my red lobster doggy bag that's been sitting in my purse since Tuesday. You know, on Tuesdays, we go out and get those cheddar biscuits. And my popcorn shrimp. Mmm, eating good in the neighborhood. Ah, that's not red lobster. I don't know what red lobster is. What does red lobster say? I, who cares? Anyway, so they dumped out every everything they've ever owned that's in this purse has now been dumped out on the countertop in front of me. And then they finally have located their checkbook. And now we're just getting started. We're only getting just beginning this whole transaction. And I sit there and this guy, David Brasgell very briefly worked there and he would come back and he would see somebody in my line with a checkbook and he would just be like screeching halt. And I would say, yep. Screeching halt. <laughs> and he would jump on the register and he would ring out, you know, somebody else would, re- whoever had the person with the checkbook, if there was a second person to get on the register, if there was a line, which there was, even if there wasn't a line, as soon as somebody brings out the checkbook, there's going to be a line of 20 people. And you're going to be waiting for that one person to finish writing their check while the other 20 people have now moved through the other register. It's a, it is just a fact, it's science. It's science that no, no line, no matter how big, no matter how small, will ever be slower than the line, than the single person with a checkbook writing a check. Oh, can you imagine back in the days where that's all it was? It was just cash or check. People whipping out that check. I mean, those lines, four people in a line that would normally take a couple minutes to clear out, probably half a day, a week. People would set up tents and just wait, like like how people camp outside of the, the sneaker store for the new Jordans, or they camp outside of Best Buy for the new video game console. This is probably people would just, well, we're writing checks, so bring your tent, bring your bring your chair. We're, we're going to be here for a while. I've got firewood and some newspaper and some kindling. Oh, my God. So finally, as all the contents of the purse are emptied out, and then they'd clear a little space, they'd start writing their check, and as I mentioned, they'd look around – what's what's the date again today? I'm like, that's not my job. It's really, it's not in the job description for me to tell you. Just know, you knew walking in here that your form of payment was going to be a check. First of all, you should have, if you're going to be some asshole going to stores paying a check, like checks are for 
90-year-old grandma to give to their great-great-grandchildren, right? Like, that's what that's the only thing, the only check that I've cashed in the last five years were the ones that my sweet grandmother would send for Christmas, would give me for Christmas or give the kids for their birthday, just a nice little, uh, you know, $25 or a $50, whatever it was. And because that's, you know, she was 90 when she died. And she's been dead for three and a half years. And that was the last, I'm pretty sure that was the last time I wrote a check, cashed a check, did anything with a check. I have a checkbook. Really, the purpose of the checkbook is like when somebody asks if I start a new job, which is pretty, that's a pretty regular occurrence. I've, I've had more jobs in the last 10 years than I've written checks. Uh, when you start a new job, you have to do the direct deposit. You need the routing number and the account number. And I, I know my account number. I, I can never remember my routing number. And so I, I have the checkbook on hand because that's the easiest way to just reach over and grab the checkbook. And, okay, there's my routing number. And that's, that's it. And once in a great while, there's some little weird one-off thing that you have to write a check for. Uh, but I can't, I'm, I struggle to even think of one instance in the last, I, I just, so these people, so, so the, the, just the thought of like, you know, if you pay your, pay your rent with a check, you pay your bills with a check. I mean, that's pretty silly, but okay, fine, fine. But to go into a store anytime in the last 20 years, anytime in the last like 40 years, honestly, to go into a store, <laughs> I mean, ever since like debit cards and. And ATMs and and check cards and, and those kind of things came out. Like, you don't need the checkbook. That's the whole point. They made a card so you don't have to write a check. So we don't have to sit here all day. I use my debit card for everything. I pull out my debit card. I don't write any checks. I just, just like a credit card. Soup. Insert card. Beep, beep, beep. Processing. Cl- approved god bye take your card see you bye and there's people just still right got to write those checks so yeah so the contents are emptied and this and this broad has like 27 those big puffy coats that go down to the their they that's always they're always with the big puffy coat down to your ankles what's the day what's today's date <sighs> the 16th you should have, if you're going to use a check for every place, every store you go to, maybe just fill out a bunch of checks. Maybe pre-fill some of that information. Hey, today's the 16th. I'm going to do a bunch of Christmas shopping. I don't know how many checks I'm going to spend, but you know what? I'll fill out a few of them with the, today's date on it because I'm going to go to this. I'm going to go to Barnes & Noble, and I'm going to go to the toy store, and then I'm going to go to Macy's, and I'm going to go to whatever. There's a shoe store. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go and I'm going to use checks everywhere because I'm a fucking idiot. So maybe, of course, if you're using checks, you're not smart enough to know to just fill out some of that information. So whatever, fine. Fill it all out at the counter, at the register, while everybody's waiting. Uh, Folks, you can get into this line, and you'll be here for the next 17 years waiting for a check to be written, or you can get into this line of 30 people next to me, and you will be out of here in 10 minutes. The choice is yours. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so what's today's day? It's the 16th. What's, uh, well, and they start, you know, they, they crack themselves up. Oh, where am I again? I'd lose my head if it wasn't screwed on. <laughs> what store is this again? Uh, it's fucking Sears. 
Uh, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Why, why do I know? I Just because I work here, you think I know the name of the store? You shop here. Why don't you know the name of the store, you fuck? <sighs> the name of the store is Barnes & Noble. The date is the 16th. Do you need me to put your... Do you remember your signature? The amount due is forty nine seventy five. So yeah, make sure you make sure you put the numbers, and then make sure you spell out spell out the word forty nine. S e v e How do I how do I spell seventy? Oh, I'd lose my head if it wasn't screwed on. <sighs> Just give me the check. I need to go. I have a family I haven't seen in weeks because I've been waiting for you to write a check for three bucks, you prick. And your big puffy coat. When's the any Lennox CD coming out? I don't fucking know. There have been three. She's released three of them in the time you've been standing here writing a check, you stupid bitch. Oh. And then let me gather my... My tissues, and, and then the check processing is all, you know, because you have to, like, there's the, the micker reader. It has to go through, and the old one, good golly, at KB Toys, this is the late 90s, so it was, like, this was old-timey stuff. You know, friggin' little dot matrix printer running the check. Uh, at least at Barnes & Noble, it was just like a in it goes, out it comes. Ooh, I love technology. I love this check technology. It's so great. Oh, checks. Anyway, you know what checks I like? I like rice checks and corn. I like checks mix with the little peanuts in. I love peanut checks. Checks. That's the only checks that I want. Checks mix. Uh, uh, so yeah, so then so then 19 years later the check would go through and the transaction was over. And as I was saying, I would have to take my till at the end of my shift. You close out your register, you grab the little till. For those of you who don't know, that's the little black tray that's in the it's in the drawer at the cash register. It has all the little it has all the coin, it has the currency, it has the checks. It has anything else, the little, and then the little assholes paying with those, like, gold, uh, you know, dollar coins, whatever the hell they were. Uh, $10, was it $10? I don't even remember anymore. And all the little coupons and the little, oh, just everything's there and you got to go and count it. God, it sucks. Retail's so much fun because it's so, well, I don't think it's fun anymore. It's not fun for these poor bastards in the pandemic, but once upon a time, it was so much fun. Because it's just like, you don't take the work home with you. It doesn't care. Whatever, the day ends and the day ends. That's what's great about retail. What's bad about retail? Eh, pretty much everything else. <laughs> but it's, it's nice to just go to work. Hey, I don't know what's ahead of me. Each day is different than the last. That's what you tell people on a retail job interview when they're asking you the fucking stu- So why do you want to work here? Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't think anybody, does anybody, is, 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 there's somebody who actually wants to work, people want to work at these places, at these horrible stores? Oh, uh, has there been some, has there been some community, some confusion? Has there been a miscommunication? Did it, 
were you under the impression that I want to work here? No, I just kind of, I feel more it's a have to, need to, as opposed to a want to. I don't think there's a lot of, I don't think there's a lot of want tos in uh, in retail. There's a few. There's a few. Uh, yeah. Why do you want to work here? And then you say, well, the great thing is you meet so many people. You meet new people every day. Each day is different than the last. You walk in and you don't know what the day is going to bring. And that to me, that's so exciting to me. That's so exciting to me. And they would just, you know, in the two man, they would look at each other and smile and nod like this is our guy. This is the fucking this is the fucking bullshit artist we need to sell all the crap that we need to sell out there. This is our guy. He just sold us on the fact that he actually wants to work here and he gave us our gave us an excuse that sounds good enough to me. So yeah, put him on the cash register. I just I I just love people. I just can't help it. I can't sometimes what's your greatest weakness? My weakness is I love people too much. I love I love serving the customer too much sometimes. I get too passionate about it. I, I, I'm too excited about putting the right book or CD in their hands. Getting the customer, to, was that Barnes & Noble? Getting the customer to yes? was what they, That was the stupid, you know, the corporate assholes make up all the sayings for the little, the little doofuses in the store to, you know, to follow. All the sheep to follow blindly. Get the customer to yes. Don't ever point. When a customer asks where something is located, don't don't you fucking ever dare point to it. You bring them to it. And you grab the book and you put it in their hands, you fucker. That way they, they can feel it. They're holding it. And now they're visualizing that they own this. This is their book. You have put the book. You didn't just point to some shelf on the other side of the store. You put the book in their hands. And that was always fun as like going back to me carrying my till up to the front of the store when some customer seeing me carrying a big tray of $100 bills, hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars that I'm carrying. I think we had to call. Actually, there was an alert when we got to a certain amount. We got our, our drawer was over, I don't know, five. I don't, I don't know what the, the number is, but you you had over a certain amount in your drawer. Maybe it was a thousand. And you had to call the, the cashier head person to come back and 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 clean out your drawer for you so so that you couldn't be robbed <laughs> i don't know <laughs> anyway uh so somebody yeah they, i'd go and that's why i would walk with the mr serious face i'd be like <laughs> i would just i would look so angry my eyebrows you know furled brow and all that stuff just uh, <laughs> walk speed walk and nobody's i gotta get the fuck out get out of here i gotta get my cash from it and nobody would touch me nobody would come to me. but in the early days in the first couple of weeks i would be like a tralala carrying a bunch of cash going to count it i love life and i love my job oh excuse me felt fine fellow you look so happy can you help me find seven books well, sure I can. I'll just carry this big tray of cash. I have hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and I'll go help you find your books. And I'll even put it in your hand as I'm carrying the cash. So it's like, and then you get yelled at. It's like, but I, you didn't, you didn't help the customer. Well, because I had to carry this cash up to the front. You, you're walking around the store with cash, but I had to help the customer. Which one is it? Which one do you want me to do? Oh, so fun. It's so fun.
Rules are the best. Rules are cool. <sighs> so, anyway, yeah, so check lady, that's fun. And yeah, so you'd count your shit. So, anyways, I got to a point where I said, you know, I guess I just need to like make some more money. I'm uh, I'm getting married soon. I want to have the health benefits, I guess. And I should like really just fucking be a, a person and make more than like whatever I was made. I don't know what hours I was working, but I've I had just finished business school. I just got my MBA, and so naturally I did what every a recent MBA grad does. I just went to went to Barnes and Noble and said, "Okay, I'm done with business school. You can put me on full time now." And that MBA helped me catapult myself, <laughs> catapult myself to. Uh, to lead, what was it called? Music department lead, which is the second in command to the music department manager, which, as I previously stated, my good buddy, D Train Dave Thurlow, was the music manager. Uh, and the greatest thing was, yeah, years years prior to that, I had said, "Hey, can I be the music lead?" Because it's just it's the exact same job. I just have forty. That's all it is. The music lead is the same goddamn job. As everything else, you just work 40 hours a week. That's it. There's no, they, they, you know, there's some little things here and there, I guess, but uh, it's basically just, you're just doing the same job. Just, you're guaranteed to get a full time pay and now you can get benefits and some. I even, I remember I even had like some vacation time. I think I used like vacation time at Barnes and Noble. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. Like, well, I'm getting paid for these days. I'm not here. <sighs> anyway, uh, but years prior, I had expressed interest with the with the previous music manager, Gorman, and she said, "I just don't think you're ready for it yet." <laughs> like, ready for what? To do the exact same job? So the so they went with instead of me as the only person who wanted to be the music lead, they went with the alternative, which was nobody at all. <laughs> I wasn't ready, but the person who was ready was uh, the invisible man who got the job instead of me. But fast forward to two years later, two or three years later, whatever it was, and now now who's sitting pretty in the old catbird seat? Old Johnny boy. And the best part of that was going and having an interview with D-Train because we started at the same time. He started days after. I don't think it was even a week after me. It was, at the most, it was a week. I think on my my first day, he was having his tour of the store. And then, like, the, a day or two later, he was there. So, either way, we started at the same time. We hit it off. Good pals. Fellow Binghamton alum. Two super smart Binghamton grads with glasses who are about the same height with curly hair and a goatee, and uh, and nobody could tell us apart. And that was the other highlight. And we, we are. We are virtually identical. We're just exactly the same looking person. Uh, but at this point, D-Trade was the music manager, so we had to go to the back to the manager's office, and he had to interview me for the music lead job. And he had the just the canned questions that you're supposed to ask. But, like, again, just like, Previous times, nobody's actually interviewing for this job. Nobody's qualified other than me. And so we're sitting there, and I'm like, oh. And I'm giving serious answers. I'm like, yeah, you know something, Dave? The uh, the thing that's great about this job is, is each day is different from the last. 
and different from the next. And you just, you come in every day and you don't know what it's going to bring. And that's what's exciting to me. And then the best part was in the middle of my interview, he started cracking up. And then I started cracking up instantly. And we're both just sitting there laughing, shaking our heads. And I said, I said, what the fuck? <laughs> I said, what the fuck are we doing right now? And he said, I don't know. He said, you, you want to be the music lead? Yeah. Okay. You're the music lead. <laughs> and we just laughed. And that was it. And we lit cigars with $100 bills and, uh, and became captains of industry. We'd ride around. We went and we got on a, we got on a, a, a rail car and we'd, we would ride in the, in the in the luxury uh, the, the the luxury car the club car I guess so the whatever whatever you want to call it of the we just ride around on trains uh, shooting wild animals from from the from the train car we that's cigars hundred dollar bills and just riding around across the country on trains shooting shooting buffalo is what we would do after we we just laughed. and he just said you're the music lead you don't have to answer these questions you prick. Welcome aboard. And uh, yeah, so that's where I spent my next, my final year as Barnes & Noble was as musically. And that was the easiest year. That was the year that I think back and I'm like, God, it was like summer vacation. September, I want to say it was September-ish of 2006 until December of 2007. 15 of the most wonderful, fun-filled months that I have. It's just so fun. So, like, I would wake up in the morning and I couldn't, I'm like, this is the greatest. I'm not making any, I'm making, like, I don't know. It was eleven seventy-five an hour. So whatever that math <laughs> comes out to be. I, I guess I had maybe two weeks, two or three weeks off or something. Uh, two, two vacation weeks and a week of sick, I, I don't remember. Uh, but I didn't even, but I also didn't care because who in their, who in their mid twenties gives a shit about that stuff? You're just like, whatever. We'll go drink after work. Let's go for drinks. Uh, that's like going to cost like most of your pay. I don't care. Just get drinks after work. Drinks. I want drinks. And that's what you do. And it's, it was just the best time. It was so great. Ah, uh, it was so great. Going to the Firkin and Fox every fucking night with largely the same people but you never know that was the fun part you talk about hey you never know who's going to show up at the who cares who shows up at the they're all going to be assholes who show up at the store your coworkers. you never know who's going to show up for drinks and that was the fun part and somebody somebody who rarely would come out for drinks like a like a big cookie our friend big cookie Lindsay, who we call big cookie because one time he was eating a big cookie and the office season three was very popular when andy bernard uh called jim big tuna because he was once eating a tuna sandwich and that episode had just aired, and then the next day there was Lindsay, who I love, who was standing there eating a big cookie. And I said, "For henceforth, you shall be called Big Cookie." And here we are, fifteen years later, and uh, and we still call him. There's a there's a there's a circle of friends that refer to this fine gentleman as Big Cookie, and he shall always be. He will always be our Big Cookie. Anyway. Yeah, so once in a while, big so hard to get Big Cookie to go out for drinks. Probably because he didn't like us calling him Big Cookie all the time, but, uh, you know. But then once in a while, he would come and be like, oh, my God, it's Big Cookie. Big Cookie's here. And uh, and we'd have drinks with Big Cookie. 
and 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 then you know Dave Helms Davo would be there and Nate was there just Nate and like Les would show up and I've told you the bowling story we got oh and Anna would be there and ever Marisa and Karen and all these friends would just show up for drinks Thurlow would come out for D train would sometimes show up and have a drink oh my god it was just the great it was like I mean it was it was cheers just every day the same assholes showing up showing up at the fucking thing and having you know to me at the time I would listen to, I was always really big and listening to Sinatra and Rat Pack CDs I'm like oh that must have been so much fun and then I kind of think about it I'm like eh Sinatra was you know didn't have like he thought he was really funny but he wasn't Dean Martin was the life of the everybody loved Dean Martin actually a funny charming guy Sinatra probably seething with jealousy that he wasn't uh, as 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 charming and, and handsome and all that stuff. I prefer to listen to Sinatra's music. If if they said, "Hey, you can go," you know, you can buy a, the Dean Martin CD or the I'm buying Sinatra, but he seemed like the. But I just thought, eh, it might not actually be all that fun being in the Rat Pack. It seems like there's more pressure, and you got cameras and stuff, and it's like a whole thing. So to me, this 2006, 2007 Barnes and Noble that was the rap. That was like being the Rat Pack, but fun, like the fun version. Where nobody gives a shit about us. We're just going out selling some books and some CDs, waiting for people to write checks. And then at 11 o'clock, the store closes. And about 11.30, we're out of there. And we're going out for, let's, it's 11. 11.30 was like 8 o'clock back then. That's the crazy, like the store closes at 11. These fucking pussies in New Hampshire, everything, everything closes at 8 o'clock. And that's not even, I mean, during the pandemic, I get it. But even before the pandemic, I think on the latest night, Barnes & Noble closes at like 9. I just always assumed every Barnes & Noble on the planet was open till 11 o'clock. And only on Sundays did they close at 9. But it's like everything here closes. Everything just closes down. I'm, I'm from a town where there were two grocery stores that were 24 hours across the street from a CVS that was 24 hours next to like three different gas stations that were 24 hours. And then coming here and it's like, oh, everything closes. Everything actually, the gas stations close too. Like everything closes and I don't get it. And then people talk about, and then when they had the COVID with curfew, there's the mayor is imposing a 9 p.m. curfew and everybody's flipping out. It's like, what are you going to do at nine o'clock in Nashville? It's been closed for an hour. This place sucks. What are you doing? So, yeah, but you know. It's it's different in different places, I guess. Because, yeah, we'd get out at 11, 11.30, out of that bookstore on any night of the week, and we'd head over to that Firkin and Fox, which is now a jewelry store, so that's awesome. Uh, Maxie's is still there. That's That became the... That became the new Firkin and Fox. Never could replace Firkin and Fox, but still a pretty, pretty fun place. Uh, and we would just go and have... I mean, it's just like, yeah, shit's open. Let's go. Yeah, 11 o'clock was, was 8 o'clock, you know. I'm just like, didn't realize it, but I was, you know, your 20s. If you grow up in the East Coast in your 20s, you're basically on, you're on West Coast time all the time. Well, let's see. The clock says 11, so that means it's 8 p.m. So we've got, we've got a solid three or four hours of drinking ahead of us, friends. Ah, <laughs> uh, but it's the best of times. But then there was one, one memory I'm I'm sweating. I gotta open a. It's so humid. I turned off the humidifier, and it's just I'm. 
I should have taken this uh, sweatshirt off before I, this, uh, not sweatshirt, it's a nice quarter zip, it's not a sweatshirt, I don't wear sweatshirts, I'm not a fucking, what am I, from New Hampshire, I'm wearing sweatshirts, uh, anyway, let me open, yeah, yeah, now the whole world can hear me yelling, uh, so, anyway, what I was going to originally talk about, how long have I been talking, my god, this is going on for quite some time, uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, yeah, and, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, there's so many names, and I apologize, yeah, Ray would show up for drinks, Rebecca, one of the, one of the last memories I have of the Firkin and Fox, 2000, it was like, I want to say April of 2009, it was literally everybody the all-stars of Barnes and Noble. It was Big Cookie. It was it was Helms. It was Nate. It was D-Train. It was like Ray, Rebecca, the, everybody. Les. That was the whole group. It was the whole crowd. And we were all there. And we were drinking. And I also had a huge announcement. I told everybody I'm going to be a father. And everybody cheered and clapped. And it was just like, this is fucking, ah, it's so good. It's so good fucking miss that shit oh my god god damn it i miss that shit just having those ah oh, it's great and the last the last time before we moved like a week before we moved to florida firkin and fox was gone at this point i didn't close down and i don't know when it closed down too i i definitely we definitely went there in 2009 so i want to say probably be somewhere in 2009 2010 because it was closed before before i moved to florida because our last we used to go, oh, we used to go every Tuesday. We would go every Tuesday, even after I left the bookstore and got my big boy job. We had Tuesdays was our day for drinks. I would get out of work. I'd leave the office at 3.30. I'd get there at like quarter to four, and everybody finishing up their shift at 3, 3.30, 4, would all start to filter in, and we'd, oh, my God, we'd just sit there on a Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday's the worst day of the week, and I, we made it the best day of the week. You'd sit there and just drink and have a fucking blast. Oh, it was so great. The Firkin and Fox. I gave up. The only time I've ever done anything remotely uh, Lent-like, and I, I gave, because one night, in, it was early 2008, I came home. The wife was still at work at the video game, at GameStop. I came home from, from the office and had nothing else to do. I just, I can't even, it's hard to comprehend right now. The amount of free time that I had, that we had, like before, it was just unbelievable. I just would come home and be like, I don't know what to do. So I just, I'd pour one, I'd go, I'd exercise for an hour. So I didn't feel like a total bum or I'd go for a long walk. And then I would put on TV, I'd put on video games and I would just pour wine. And there was one night I had one of those one, one and a half liter fucking the big boy, you know? And I polished off an entire, and I was drinking like a fish. And then the next day, and I would get up. I'd get up and go to work. I'd be to work at 7 o'clock. I'd get up at like quarter to 6 to take my shower and everything. Oh, my God. And it was just, it was the worst day ever. The hangover, the headache, everything. It was the worst day ever. And I said, I can't, I'm done. I'm done with this shit. And so I, for 40 days and 40 nights, I gave up drinking. But I still went for drinks every Tuesday. Because I didn't really give a shit about the drink. I just wanted to see my friends. And the drinking was fun, but I wanted to just, 
And I would go, and I'm like, well, I got. I'm going to stick to this, guys. I'm just letting you know, I'm not having alcohol for the next uh, for the next forty days. And so I went up to the bar, and I said, uh, yes, I. And the bartender was, she was like, usual, which was uh, like a scotch and soda. She's like, you want the usual, which I thought was like, ah, I have a usual. I'm a usual guy, which really just means I'm an <laughs> I'm an alcoholic because the bartender knows what I drink. But I felt like this is our bar. This is our friends. I got the drink. She knows the usual. She knows exactly what to bring. It's so great. And uh, and she's like, the usual? And I'm like, actually. Uh, actually. And she's like, oh, something else? I'm like, can I get a, <clears throat> can I get a diet Shirley Temple with two cherries, please? And the whole, not just my friends, but everyone, the whole, you know, the needle scratched off the record, you know, the music stopped and everybody just went silent and then just endless laughter, just roaring laughter. And then this lady at the bar with like, they, you know, they look like truckers or something. I'm not really sure. Not the typical clientele. It was the clientele was mostly like it was us and then like the business people and families and stuff. But this was a little little bit of a rougher, rough and tumble group at the bar at this particular uh, middle of the afternoon. And this lady just looked at me and she's like, she's like, what's the, <laughs> she's like, what's the matter with you? Are you pregnant? And then everybody, ah, <laughs> the whole place, ah, he's pregnant, everybody. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fucking pregnant, you fucking bitch. Uh, so, so I, so every week I would go there and then, and then that became the usual after like two weeks So like, uh, Oh, and then she actually told me, uh, not a Rob Roy. I think it's like a Roy Rogers is a drink. Rob, Rob Roy is an alcoholic drink. I think the Roy Rogers is like the male equivalent of the Shirley Temple, which to me is so stupid. The Shirley Temple is perfect. It, why? Eh. Oh, you go I guess I have to be masculine while I'm having a fucking red colored cherry carbonated drink. Like I clearly I don't care about masculinity like ever in my life, especially not where I'm having a delicious cherry, a carbonated cherry flavored beverage. Just fucking just keep the grenadine flowing. I don't give a shit what you call it. Rob Roy, Roy Rogers, Roger Wilco, Fred Rogers. I don't I don't give a shit. Kendall Roy, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Just give me give me a big glass with ice and grenadine and cherries. That's what I'm asking for. Put whatever the fuck else you want in it. I don't care. Uh so so that became my usual. She's like, "Oh, you can have a Roy Rogers. That's the male version of the Shirley Temple." I'm like, "Okay. Whatever. I really just want a Shirley Temple, but if I'm going to be ju- and then uh, you know, I, I was like, "All right." So I would come in and be like, "Uh, one Roy Rogers with seventeen cherries, please," and and then eventually it was like, "You want the usual?" I'm like, "Yeah." But then when Easter was over and they're like, "You want the usual?" I'd be like, "Yeah." And then they bring me the Roy. Ro- I'm like, "Oh no, a Scotch and soda, a Scotch and soda with seventeen cherries, please." <laughs> oh, it was just it was so much fun. It was so much fun all the time, all the time. It was summer it's summer camp. It was summer camp. Not a care in the world. Didn't give a fuck about nothing. And there's people who there's people who just kind of have like and they might not be making a ton of money, but they're like maybe making enough to get by and and they don't have a ton of bills and debts and stuff like that. And it's just like, yeah. 
it's 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 the good life. It's pretty easy. I don't care. You know, I want to. That's I care so much about my paycheck, my salary. That's the priority number one is getting the most money possible, and I think it is so that I can. As early as possible, I have discussed this with my Barnes and I've discussed it with Ray. I've discussed it with Helms. This is not, I'm not fucking around with this. If Barnes and Noble is still around in 47 years when I finally get to retire, uh, that's the plan to just go back and work at Barnes and Noble, be retired, get a little, uh, hopefully social security is still a thing. And the, the insane amount that I've paid into it will, will come back to me. And, uh, and hopefully, yeah, you know, investments, 401k, all that bullshit. That'll, that'll be there, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, and, then, and then, yeah, and then the Barnes & Noble thing is just gravy, baby. And, yeah, move back. Move back to New York and go work at that Barnes & Noble with my pals. I love the Barnes & Noble here in Nashua, though, because it looks like the old Barnes. The, the Barnes & Noble in Albany is in the mall, and it just looks like if Best Buy sold books. It's just like, uh, you know, I was there. I helped open that store and closed down. Rebecca and I were the last uh, OG Barnes & Noble people from the, from the old school group who were there. We closed down that music department. Somewhere there's a flip phone video of pregnant Rebecca with her now uh, 13-year-old, almost, uh, yeah, almost 14-year-old uh, who was quite pregnant in 2007, uh, running around uh, some piece of furniture or something, a shelf with bubble wrap, and I, just a grainy, some, if I can ever find that, I think I, I have that cell phone somewhere. I w- it has precious memories like that on it. And uh, I need to find it, and I need to find a charger, and I hope those pictures, because those, ah, you used to have those Verizon pics, and it, and it gave me a warning. It said, save your Verizon pics, and I didn't, and I had some, not a ton of great photos, but I had some some ones that I would really love. I wish I could see them right now. And if there's still that phone hasn't been in use in a decade. Uh so hopefully if I find that phone and I find a charger, I can plug it in and see at least see my pictures. Anyway, but I had a video somewhere of Rebecca running in circles with bubble pregnant, pregnant as can be. And we we were the last ones in that store and then went over to the new store, and it was nice, shiny, new, bright, but it was just not the same. Uh, but this store here in Nashua looks just like the old store, it's, but it's it's prettier. It has nice, like, skylight things in it, and it's never really that – it's never that busy. <laughs> like, I go in there. I go on walks, and I'll just walk in there, and it's never that busy. Uh and the music department looks exactly the only difference is they have Funko pops everywhere instead of CDs. It's just like Funko toys and vinyl and some DVDs and CDs. And nobody in that music department has ever even lifted their head up, let alone greeted me. And that was like the two things you couldn't do unless if you're not if you're not cashing out a customer or putting something away, you have no business being behind the counter. Only time you should be behind the counter is if you're doing something on the register. Otherwise, you're circling the floor, preventing theft, preventing loss. And in, in Nashua, there is no such thing as that because they don't even look up, let alone greet me. It's It just seems like a blast. Anyway, that's the plan. 
I want to make as much money as I can so that I can go back to not having to need money. Because <laughs> that was the best of times. It was. It was fucking summer camp. Like, who gives a shit? I'm not making much money, but I'm going to spend it all on drinks. And uh, and it's it was just the most fun you could you could possibly. It was just so fun. All the time. So fun. Anyway, uh, the story that I did want to tell. Now this is... <laughs> We're getting pretty long here, but uh, one of the things that I was thinking of, and I don't know why I thought of this, but early in the days of Barnes & Noble, I, I made, became very good friends with Amy and Les, uh, in addition to D-Train and a bunch of others, yeah, Michelle, uh, Megan, there were tons of people. and uh, But one day, <laughs> we our shift ended early, and Les and Amy and I all decided to go to the Spectrum Theater and see a movie called The Dreamers. <laughs> and I don't really know why. I don't know whose idea it was. I don't know if we had seen another movie and there was a pre- I think we saw a preview for this movie and we just said, hey, you want to go see The Dreamers? Yeah, sure. And uh, so we left work and we drove over to wherever the hell the Spectrum is and somewhere in Albany. I don't know why. I... I know less about the cities that surrounded where I grew up than I do any other city. I, I know nothing. I to this day I get lost in like it's just it's it's embarrassing how little I know about where things are located in Albany and Schenectady too. It's just like I don't know. It's funny. Anyways, the spectrum somewhere in Albany, some fucking place. I don't know, and. uh the spectrum is great because it has the spectrum you can go and you can see and there's some first run movies there's some you know there's some, some of the popular things i guess but it's also that's where you go to see the indie stuff that's where you go to see the stuff that nobody's you know you're not going to go to amc imax and see uh the movies that they're playing at the spectrum for the most part and let's see i wonder actually for for instance let me look up Spectrum uh, Cinema Albany Is it the Spectrum Landmark Spectrum 8 Okay Landmark Spectrum 8 I guess that's the Spectrum Yeah, that's the Spectrum In Albany So yeah, look at Okay Today What do they have? They have Spider So yeah You can go to the Spectrum You can see Spider-Man uh, Nightmare Alley, I think that's a kind of a big one. West Side Story, so there's some big ones. Being the Ricardos, I didn't even know that was out. So there you go. Being the Ricardos, Don't Look Up. Oh, wow. Isn't that coming to Netflix in a few weeks on Christmas? House of Gucci, okay. Come on, come on. I don't know what the fuck that is. It's black and white. That's, that's, here's something... Belfast, Kenneth Branagh, it's pointless, but pointless. <laughs> Poignant. <laughs> Story of love, laughter, and loss in one boy's childhood amid the music and social tumult of the late 60s. Oh, yay. The Hand of God. The Story of a boy in tumultuous. Everything's tumultuous. That's the thing. If, the, if a thing, if the movie is uh, shot in black and white, and has the word tumultuous in it, it's probably going to be at the spectrum. Uh, Hand of God. The story of a ball, a boy in tumultuous Naples in the 1980s. Pablo, Paolo Sorrentino's most personal film yet. 
is a tale of fate and family, sports and cinema, love and loss. I'm sure to Bendetta, a 17th century nun becomes entangled in a forbidden love affair with a novice. But it's her shocking religious visions that threaten to shake the church to its core. There's one showing at 3.35 p.m. The French Dispatch. I didn't even know that was out. Twelve fi- You can go see it at 12.50. Go see the fr- Anyway, it, but it's a great theater because you could go, you know, it's like it's not a Regal Cinemas. It's not AMC. It's not all these, you know, big things, Cinemagic and all these other guys. It's just, you know, it's the spectrum. Which is it's landmark, so I guess maybe it's it's is I don't know what landmark is. I think that's a maybe that is the parent company now. But anyway, uh, yeah, okay, Delaware Avenue in Albany. I don't know, I don't know where that is. I am so it's so funny how little I know about Albany. It's incredible. Like I've been to Delaware Avenue. I know it's like at the end of the north. It's at the end of everything to me is just like at the end of the Northway. Get off the Northway and go left. <laughs> that's where, that's just, okay, there's Albany. Uh, anyway, but the Spectrum would have, yeah, the, the indie stuff and maybe some foreign films. But also, you know, you could go see Shrek, right? So we went and we saw The Dreamers. Because it just looked like, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's probably pretentious, but yeah, we'll go see it. And uh, and it was it was great because we didn't, we were friends at this point, Amy, Les, and Johnny Boy. We were friends. We were very, we were all very, very good friends today. We were not quite to really, really good friends, but we were to like friends, friends enough that we would go see a movie together. It wasn't like we all just met each other a week ago and now we're going to the movies. We knew each other for a few months, I guess, and now we're gonna go. Yeah, you know, I think, I think we had gone and we saw Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. The Jim Carrey and Kirsten Dunst. And we saw that at Crossgates at the big, you know, Crossgates is like the big, huge, like white trash mall in Albany. But it's the big one that everybody, it's the Colony Center has always been my mall. And now Colony Center is, I, I haven't been there in a long time, but I think Colony Center, that's the mall. That's the one that they turn into the, to the shining jewel, the gem of Albany. As far as you know, Crossgates has always been just a real trashy fucking trash place but it's a big mall so you have the big you know you have some high-end stuff but it's it's just you know it's really a yeah, it's a shady fucking place and uh and colony center eh, it's also pretty shady but not nearly as shady as crossgates and then you've got pf chang and they've got cheesecake and they got the big it didn't have a movie theater until like what 10 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, they put that movie theater in. They brought Barnes & Noble over there. It's like they, they, they redid it. They, there's, there's fireplaces in the mall. <laughs> you can sit by the fire. You know, that's the place to be, baby, Colony Center. That's always been Johnny Boy's mall. That's been my mall. That's where I worked. That's where I shopped when I was a teen before I worked. That's the mall for me. And uh, and now it's everyone's. Uh, anyway, who gives a fuck? Um, so we went and we saw the spotless sunshine thing and, uh, Kimmy and I and, and, and Amy and Les, and I don't know if there were other people, but I think that's where we saw a preview for this dreamers. And so the three of us decided after work, hey, let's go see the dreamers. It looks okay. So we went there and it's so great because the movie's so bad. It's so boring. It's so shitty. It's so, pre- it's so, oh, it's so pretentious. It was the review, you know, on the poster it says this is pure, what is it, Bertolesconi or something like that. 
I think it's the guy who did Last Tango in Paris. Like, just the most pretentious trash. That's the... Tango in Paris is like, you know, Marlon Brando with the butter up the ass and all that stuff. I don't know. And this this Dreamers movie, it's like the brother and sister are real fucking weirdos. And there's like, you know, they're like sitting in a bathtub of her period blood. And she makes like the boy, the brothers like does something wrong. And so she makes him go and stand. She makes him go stand in the corner and masturbate. And we're just sitting there and I'm like, I've got a bucket of popcorn. Or nachos or something crunchy. And we're watching this movie. <laughs> this watch this weird, like quasi-incestuous kind of shitty art house, pretentious trash. And uh it's in it takes place in France or something. The girl who's in it is like a big star. It has the guy from Boardwalk, Boardwalk and Michael Pitt. Let me see. Dreamers. Michael Pitt is in it. He was in Boardwalk. Eva Green is in it and she's been in like bond yeah she was in casino royale yeah she was penny dreadful she was in that she's in like you know dumbo i don't know uh 300 she's you know dark shadows uh yeah the bond movies she's in a bunch of stuff she's like you know kind of a big star this was before i'd say she was a big star um yeah so uh, and this movie, The Dreamers, is, I'll bet it has high ratings, too. Yeah. Magnetic debut for Eva Green. Yeah, that was like her first movie. Provocative. A word who, in this case, has a lot of senses. Sure, the atmosphere is set in 1968. That's the thing. If if the movie has, has uh, something tumultuous set in the 60s with 60s music, it's going to be playing at the spectrum. You best believe that. Believe that. Uh, so... Yeah, so we're sitting there, and I've got, like, my usual movie shit, because it's the movies. If I go to the movies, I want, like, something crunchy, salty. I I want a bucket of popcorn. I want a tray of nachos. And the cool thing about the Spectrum is you can get, they have all these cakes. I don't know, they're, like, homemade cakes or something. You can get cake. You can just get a cake. Just go and get a piece of, can I, for your movie, just get a slice of cake. I'll have a slice of cake, chocolate cake, please. Great. And you, you can sit in the movie eating chocolate cake, watching the dreamers sitting in the bathtub full of blood, full of period. Uh, yeah. So so I'm sitting there and like, yeah, she's like, oh, your brother, you've been a bad, I can't do it. You have been a bad little boy. You're going to stand in the corner and you know what to do. And so he stands in the corner and you just see like, (laughs) he's just jacking it in the corner. And I'm sitting there. (laughs) With popcorn, I've got a big, I got a big DC. I got a big Diet Coke. Drinking a, (laughs) drinking a Diet Coke. And uh, drinking a Diet Coke, eating, eating popcorn and nachos and probably a fucking box of goobers too. You hear the little like goobers, you know, sliding down the box <laughs> as they're as they're bathing in menstrual blood, and then the sisters making the brother jerk off in the corner. <laughs> and we didn't, the three of us didn't say a word to each other during that movie. The only sound that was made was just me eating my nachos. And then the movie ended, 
and I, I'll never forget, we, uh, you know, I'm just like, well, what am I going to do? We can't leave. So I'm just going to eat my nachos, eat my popcorn, drink my soda, chomp down on my goobers, and we'll get the hell out of here. And uh, so, yeah, the movie ended. The credits rolled. We silent, as, as silent as uh, we were throughout the movie, we silently, all three of us, got up. We walked out into the lobby. And we just, the three of us just stood there saying nothing. We were just all three of us facing each other, Amy, Les, and myself. And I, I saw a poster I, uh, for Shrek 2. And uh, the, the only word that were spoken, I just kind of, we got out into the lobby and just kind of quietly, all pale-faced. And I just, I looked up and I was like, hey, Shrek 2. Shrek 2 is coming soon. That's going to be, I like Shrek. You guys like Shrek? Shrek's funny. Big ogre. Yeah, the sequel's coming uh, coming this summer. That's going to be good. That's good. Okay, well, I'll see you guys later. See you at the bookstore. We'll never speak of this again. Bye. <laughs> and that was it. We all just ran out to our cars. We got in our cars, and we went home. Well, except for me. I got in my car, and it was the middle. It was the dead of winter, and I was driving one of the many piece of shit Buicks that I had as a as a teen and a twenty early 20-something kid, and, uh, and my car stalled. I, and I don't know what I did. I don't... It's funny. I have all these memories of cars stalling and dying. And I just, like... It's somehow it just worked out. I have, like, just blocked it out. I just remember getting to my car. I, Amy drove off and I waved to her. And, uh, and then that was it. Or maybe... Maybe she was still... Maybe she gave me a ride. It doesn't matter. But that, I think that's what happened. I think I, she was still in her car, and I knocked on the window. I'm like, hey, my car is dead. Can you give me – I don't even know. She gave me a ride to the – or maybe not. Or maybe I, just, maybe I just waited, and then it just started. Either way, the fact of the matter is – no, I'm pretty sure. I feel like I sat in Amy's car, and maybe even – maybe I had jumper cables. Maybe she helped me. Maybe I used her car and jumped my car. I don't know. But it was not enough that we had to watch that movie together and then stand awkwardly in the, in the lobby together. And then I said, hey, Shrek 2, guys. What do you th- That'll be the movie that we should see together is Shrek 2. And we'll never, we'll never speak of this one again. And then after that, it was like, uh, Amy, can I just sit in your car and keep warm because my car died? And maybe I called, I don't know, called AAA. I don't remember. I called, I probably called Kimmy and Kimmy came and, and had, uh, you know, I, 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 who knows, but I'm pretty sure I had to sit in Amy's car as bad enough as it was to sit the three of us sitting together. And Les, of course, he, Les, Les was long gone. And I'm like, Hey, uh, now that we just watched that movie together, all three of us, I'm just going to sit in your car for a little while <laughs> while I wait for AAA to come. Oh my god. Oh my god. What a fucking disaster. Yeah, and we and we've never spoken of it again except every once in a while, the handful of times that the three of us have been together in the same place at the same time, we would mention it and I would just say, "Yeah, that was we would just say, "Yeah, can you remember that? Oh, yeah, that was fun." And then I and then I and then I end by just saying, "Hey, Shrek 2. Shrek 2 is coming out." Oh my god. Anyway, that's that's what I wanted that's the story I wanted to tell you about. I wanted to talk I wanted to talk Barnes and Noble, working at Barnes and Noble, going to see the horrible art house movies with Les and Amy. And uh, but you know what? If I guess I guess the takeaway is what the what was the effect of that movie? It made our friendship even stronger because Les and Amy 
and Big P, Amy's husband, Paul, uh, are, are some of my favorite people, best friends, great friends, friends for life, all that stuff. I, I love those people. And, uh, yeah, maybe that's what we needed to really, maybe that's what pushed the friendship officially. Like we were, we were, we were just kind of maybe teetering on that acquaintance, friend, good friend, coworker, what is it kind of thing. And then going to see the horribly awkward dreamers movie, uh, you know, maybe that was like a, that was a metaphor. The three of us were <laughs> not even. Gonna, <laughs> it was our own version. The three of us sitting in a bathtub. Never mind. Uh, God damn! It was that was that makes me laugh every time I think of it. Though we didn't say a word about the movie. We just left. We went in the lobby. We stood there awkwardly, and then I just said, "Hey, look at that Shrek two! It's coming soon. Shrek two is going to be." They're saying it's going to be the second Shrek ever. That's what they're saying. Oh, my God. And now those, yeah, Amy and Les are two of my absolute favorite people. Two great, wonderful friends. Uh, yeah, so that's that's fantastic. Uh, anyway, that's all. That Yeah, that's all. It's been an hour and change. Uh, that's the shit I love talking about. I'm trying to get back to talking about that stuff. There's so much to complain about. But why hear me complain about everything in the world? There's so many other people you could listen to complain about things. I want to – maybe that's my New Year's resolution. I, I'm sure that it will last for a week like it always does. But I want to fucking – yeah, I want to keep drilling deep into these these old memories and uh, and have fun stuff like that because I fucking – and it's good. That, like I miss, I miss all my friends and my fa- – I miss everybody so much. And the pandemic is obviously, you know, that ain't so hot for trying to get together with your friends. I haven't gotten together with anybody. Uh, but that's, you know, the big the big New Year's resolution for 2020 was, ah, we're going to go to New York a whole bunch. We're going to see everybody. We're going to have, you know, to see all my my, friend, my Burn Hell's friends, my best friends from school. I'm going to see my best friends from the bookstore. I'm going to see family. I'm going to see everybody. You know, not all at one time, but different, you know. Maybe we'll go once a month and we'll have it or once a quarter, you know, I don't know. And uh, obviously that didn't happen. Uh, But this is a nice way to talk about those things. And I know that there are a lot of friends listening and hopefully a lot of strangers listening who don't know me and will never, we will never meet. But if you're listening, I consider you to be a friend. If you're listening, if you're taking, if you know me or if you don't know me, just the fact that you're listening to this podcast and continue to listen to this podcast, that's, you know, that makes you a friend to me. And I appreciate it. And part of the podcast is I started because I wanted to tell stories. I just wanted to relive some of the fun, happy, funny, silly memories from childhood, teenage years, high school, college, bookstore, KB, just anything and everything. And, uh, you know, mixing it in with silly shit that happens during the week. But there's not a lot of silly shit that happens during the week because I don't leave the house. There's Stuff can't happen if you're not going out in the world. You know, before the pandemic, there was a lot of crazy shit happening. Warm December day. Boy, we've had all those. Wow, Jesus. And, and, and the podcast is also for me to interrupt my own uh, train of thought to look at Sherry Spear talking about the weather and comment on, oh, my gosh, it's, it really is warm. Uh, but anyway, that's my, my new year's resolution for 2020 did not come true because we didn't get to go anywhere. My new year's resolution for 2022, even though I don't really make resolutions, but it's the resolution, you know, why wait till January 1st? Like this is the, 
this is the thing is I just want to, I want to come up with the silly stories, talk about the silly bullshit, still talk about sports, NFL stuff, whatever, all that. But it's just, it's so fun to relive those memories. And, uh, and it's so fun to, uh, to hear from people, uh, to give feedback. You know, Rebecca texted me the other day and it was so, I mean, you talk about a great friend. Like we, we've always called each other bestie. But it's, you know, and I think at first it was like kind of sort of a joke maybe, but not, you know, but it's like, yeah, sh- but truly she is one of my best friends and Ray is one of my best friends. They say you can only have one if it's the best, there can only be one. I'm like, nah, you can have, you can have multiple. You can have as many as you want. There's no rules. I feel like, you know, you got your best friends from high school. You got your best friends from childhood. You got your best friends from work. You got your best, you know, right? Like you have best friends from college. Like a bunch of my friends have all these friends are from college who I, you know, some of them I know, some of them I don't really know, but that's like, you know, it's, it, that's how it is. And, uh, yeah. And, and so I, these Barnes, there's so many people from Barnes and Noble who are best friends, just as there, there are my, my core, my core dudes from childhood who are my best friends forever. BFFFFFF. Shimo, Nate, Shawnee, Double J. That's, you know. That's the core group. And then that has, you know, that, that's a, it's like a tree. It's, it really is. It's like a family tree with like more branches grow. And the, there's the Barnes and Noble branch and there's this and there's that. Anyway, and I love talking about that. And I got a, I told you I got this great gift package, uh, second year in a row that Rebecca sent this awesome, just goodies and treats and snacks and beautiful Christmas card with a picture of the, the kids on it just wonderful it's just like wow that's that's so nice to be like thought of and to have somebody like i'm gonna go i'm gonna put this stuff in a i'm gonna buy this stuff i'm gonna put it in a box i'm gonna go and i'm gonna have it sent to my friend because i care about them and it's so it's just so nice and then she texted the other day uh rebecca said what she said uh, I'm enjoying all your bonus episodes. I'm not a sports person at all, so I can skip the sports talk and just hear everything else. Also, the boobs Venmo killed me. That's such a Kimmy and I listened to the retelling of that last night, and we're just cracking up. It is. That's a that's a good. But it was so nice. It's just it's nice to hear from friends because I hear from like Nate. Uh, Nader will say that hearing the podcast is like hanging out with that's what I, that's what I fucking want it to be. I want it to be like, even if, if we're best friends from like 30 years ago, or if we've never met and never will meet, I want it. That's what I wanted to, that was the original plan is to sound like, Hey, well, it's like we're hanging out. Cause that's what my favorite podcasts are. It just, it just sounds like buddies having a chat and that's just me, but still, I want, I want it to sound like, yeah, this is what I would be saying. This is what we would be doing if we were just hanging out. We'd be just telling stories. We'd be making new stories too, probably. But hey, for now, I, <laughs> what I have is the old stories to talk about. And there's plenty of them. And as I continue to think about them, I'll continue to, to throw them on here. So anyway, this has been, I don't know, should I call it episode? No, I'm not. I'll call it. I think if it go, I think the rule is, I'm if it goes over an hour, I call it episode whatever. So I'm going to call this episode 97. This is 97, episode 97 of the Birthday Boy Podcast. We'll just call it that. 
And uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I love talking about this shit. It's so fun. And, and that's the thing. You relive these memories and tell these stories and then new shit pops into your head and you start remembering like, oh yeah, I remember that time. I remember this stuff. I remember. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hopefully it's, it's enjoyable. And uh, yeah, that's it. I don't know what the schedule is looking like. I'm sure there's going to be more of these before the holidays. It's a, you know, Christmas is a week, a uh, week and change, seven, eight, uh, eight day, a week from tomorrow is Christmas Eve. How fucked up is that? That's fucked up. It's already, I'm barely listening. I haven't watched any Christmas specials, a couple here and there. It's just, I haven't, you know, it's fucking 60 degrees out. I don't, and it also, it, correct me if I'm does it not feel like the last two Christmases were like 10 minutes apart? I, I felt last year when we were putting up the tree and the ornaments, I, I remember saying like, does it just, doesn't it feel like we just did this like yesterday? Kimmy was like, yeah, this feels like we just took the tree down. We took the tree down in January and put it up at the end of November. It's been like 11 and a half months with no tree and it feels like, boom, 10 minutes ago. And now we have the tree up again and it's like, yeah, I don't feel like, I don't feel like we ever took this thing down. We took it, Martin Luther King weekend is when we take it down the tree usually. Um, you know, a handful of years, we leave it up way past that, but... Uh, that's not something that I really enjoy doing anymore. I like to take it. I like to put the stuff away and have it just look like normal. Um, as much as I love Christmas, I do. I want it to, I also want it to go away because I don't want it to, I want to keep that special feeling of Christmas. And the problem with this pandemic, as somebody tweeted very humorously, but also accurately, uh, Hey, it turns out time also flies when you're not having fun. (laughs) And that's really, it's crazy. Because the last two years are just one jumbled mess, and it just seems like, okay, this is the third Christmas that we've had in seemingly the last, like, four days. It's just been Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. I feel like it was yesterday that I was wrapping presents from last year's Christmas. And last night I was wrapping presents for this year's Christmas, and I'm like, what? How did 12 months go by? How did that happen? I don't, what happened? How is this possible? But here we are. Anyway, uh, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but it's just, it's crazy. It's like Christmas is, I'm barely listening. I don't, like, I put on some Christmas songs here and there, and I'm just like, I don't know. It's supposed to snow this weekend. There's supposed to be some snow on Saturday, so that might be, that might be what the doctor ordered. Have a little Saturday snow, play some video games, hang out, play Christmas music the final weekend before Christmas. Maybe that's it. And then we'll get down, you know, our first time in two years going south to see the family. I I know that's going to feel like Christmas when we get there and everybody's there and the cousins are playing together and there's just, you know, a fucking insane uh, decibel level of people, kids screaming and laughing and adults trying to talk over it and other people like probably me trying to turn up the volume on the TV so they can hear over the people talking and then everybody just gets louder and louder. That's Christmas. Oh, anyway. All right. Uh, it's probably too late to go to birthdayboyshop.com and get stuff in time for the holidays. I don't know. I, I went on there yesterday and tried to see like, what if I, you know, if I just add something to my cart, will it tell me? And I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it, but still, it doesn't have to be Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to be giving gifts. Some, you know, we all the the Christmas celebration goes on all throughout the end of December into early January into New Year. I mean, come on, right? How many of us have like the belated sort of Christmas celebration? So, get a, for the for the family that you're not going to see over the holidays, 
you can still get some stuff. Go to birthdayboyshop.com. Get some merch. Get some nice things. I, I insist. In fact, I order you to do that now. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, go to birthdayboyshop.com, and we'll talk to you next time. This has been episode 97 of the Birthday Boy Podcast. Uh, be good to each other. Kindness matters and all that fun stuff. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Birthday Boy Podcast. Later, Gators.